Hi, I'm Amanda Zader, and I'm joined by my sister. And I'm Chris. <laughs> and tonight on Wesley Radio, we're going to be talking about the Australian poet, Erin Hansen. So Amanda, this being my first day on the job, tell me what this project is even about. So you remember Mr. Lima? Yes, and if I'm going to be honest, I remember some of this project, but very vaguely. Alright, so just reach a little deeper into your memory, and basically, all we had to do for this project was choose a poet, research them a little bit on their background, the work they've done, how their work has impacted literature, all that good stuff. Okay, okay. So Eric Hansen, talk to me about her. Yeah, so I chose this poet because I've actually read a lot of her work, and I honestly think it's pretty incredible. She relies heavily on pathos to articulate her ideas, but I think that just makes it so much more like important and just meaningful for the audience. All right. Well, I didn't do any research. So cool. (laughs) But how did you even find this poet? I actually found her a couple years ago on Pinterest before I realized she has an Instagram. Okay. Not typical. So what made you want to research her anyway after finding her on something like (laughs) Pinterest? So she's actually pretty interesting. She was born in June of 1995 in Brisbane, Australia, and she's still a resident, but get this. Guess what age she started writing poetry at? Seven. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so not quite. It rhymes with seven, though. She started writing poetry at 11 years old. Like, that's insane. So at 11 years old, she starts writing poetry. And at 16, she made a blog where she started posting all of her poetry for the public. Damn. Okay, so I wonder what this girl was going through at 11 years old to make her so (laughs) introspective about life. Oh, girl, girl, just you wait. Because at 18, she ended up making one of the most famous lines in poetry, which actually kind kind of launched her career a little bit. But the interesting thing is, people don't even realize that she was the one who wrote it. And the line is, what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? This is the bitch who said it? Christina! (laughs) Christina! Girl, you can't. Yes. Yes, this is the poet who wrote that. (laughs) Oh my God. So Erin Hansen also wrote the poem, Not, which helped her garner even more attention. And in July of 2016, she published her first volume of poetry, the poetic underground the name is something (laughs) (laughs) it is quite the dark academia vibe and at this point she's created hundreds of poems and she's continuing to write so if anyone's interested you can actually find all of her poetry on so on um instagram and facebook oh okay so she's still pretty relevant because like she's still alive and writing and present on the media yeah for the most part I think it's easier to find her on social media, though, compared to things like Google, and that's only in my own research and experience, but I think that can also be attributed to the fact that she is an Australian poet and known better in Australia. And that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, but like most poets, (laughs) what traumatic events (laughs) happened in her life that inspired her to write? (laughs) Okay, fair assumption, but her life actually wasn't that traumatic. However, there were a couple major world events going on between the years 2011 and 2013, which is when her writing started to pick up, and you can kind of see those themes reflected. So, hang on with me here, I'm going to rattle off a bit of information. Okay, I'm going to try my best. (laughs) Alright, so in 2011, 
the Australian government actually passed a legislation to put a price on carbon dioxide emissions. It was overturned in 2014 for obvious reasons. And uh, in 2013, Parliament was as diverse as ever. Again in 2013, in Melbourne, Australia, a bunch of people rallied in support of those in New York who were actually fighting for climate change. I remember when that happened. Yeah. And if you've been paying attention to all the information that we just stated, you'll notice that most of those events have to do with nature and climate change. And that is no coincidence because nature is a major theme in Aaron Hansen's work. Okay, checks out. But besides nature, what other mm. things are really present in her writings? Yeah, so a lot of her other themes are things like self-love, self-acceptance, uh, philosophy, motivation, and like what we just said, nature. All right. Uh, hold up. What? Okay, so I'm looking at the script, and there are all these... Okay, okay, there are just these things that are italicized. Are you just going to skip those? Thanks for breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, anytime. (laughs) I was going to get there. So those italicized words are the poems that those themes are present in. Like, the poems that represent those themes best. So for philosophy... The poem, I am here to share a secret is best. For motivation, her poem, Hopeless, is really great. And if you're looking for works about self-love, one of her most famous poems, Not, is a great example of it. Okay, was that so hard to mention the first time? (laughs) You're walking on some thin ice right now. Anyway, all of those works share a pretty similar structure. Typically, her poems are about 20 lines, but she never separates them into stanzas. My brain, my brain would be so overwhelmed looking at 20 lines with no breaks. Girl, me too. The first time I saw the poem, I was like, oh, hell no. But then I read it and I was like, this is, this is nice. All right. So she's most known for her poem, Not. And the quote we had talked about before about falling and flying. How poetic, obviously. Oh, you think that's poetic? Listen to this shit stuff listen uh, listen to this stuff so i'm about to share a poem that erin hansen wrote entitled i am here to share a secret i am here to share a secret i am not who i've always been The world that lies outstretched before me is not the only one I've seen. I've traveled on the tales of comets. I've burned up in the hearts of stars. I've been spat out by supernovas that left me scattered near and far. I've dined in distant galaxies and taught the birds to sing. I've danced for a whole lifetime upon Saturn's dusty rings. I've been here for long enough to learn what makes the willow weep. I've sung celestial lullabies that sent the moon to sleep. I've been both the flowing water and the stone that blocks its way. I've been frozen, I've been molten, and I'll be again someday. Though I've been a billion things, this is the first one that can smile. I am pieces of the universe, 
living as a human for a while. All right, we'll be back to analyze this poem in just a minute. And we are back after that lovely narration by Amanda. Thank you, thank you. We are now going to analyze the poem using a psychoanalytical lens and a reader response lens. But as of right now, focus on the psychoanalytical part. So Amanda, tell me some of your thoughts about the poem. So the first thing I noticed about the poem is that it's actually an epic metaphor. And the whole thing, there is no separation. Like there are no stanzas. It's just one large piece of writing and I think that's kind of important I think she purposefully wrote it that way to just reveal that when she writes poetry it truly is just like a stream of thought you know she writes all from the heart from her soul and you can see that on the page she pours everything she has into her poetry and you can really see it reflected and I also think kind of going along with that idea of her thoughts being one long flowing thought she doesn't use any periods in her writing every sentence yeah every sentence ends with a comma but the line starts with a capital that's true and most of the lines also start with i or i've that's interesting the poem is also really spiritual She picks weeping willows to use in one of her lines. And I just find that interesting because I feel like it's one of the most symbolic trees you can pick because of how they represent depression and are so woeful. That's what I was actually going to ask you is like, what do you think that they represent? But yeah, no, I think I totally agree with you on that. Um, I think the weeping willow also reflects almost Aaron Hansen's own feelings. Specifically, this is again, just my own take. Her feelings towards society's cruelty and like society's almost confined thought between life and death. Like they don't leave room for different ideas about what may happen afterwards. I also wanted to bring attention to the fact that the first sentence ends in a colon. And the first sentence states, I'm here to share a secret, colon. And then the next lines are almost as if she's telling you the giant secret she has. <laughs> right? 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 She's like, oh my God. She's like, here it is. Spews it all with no, no stanzas, no periods, and then just ends it. Right? It's almost like she really, really meaningfully just like word vomits. yes she just like goes on with it and that's totally fine because i mean it works great and it reflects like everything that she may be feeling or her own views but i also feel like the end of the poem it just relates back to the top like i'm here to share a secret and then at the end the last line is i'm pieces of the universe living as a human for a while and i think that just does a really great job of like tying everything together with a, a nice neat bow if you will And I also think that this whole poem does a really great job at just revealing 
how insignificant humans are. In the grand scheme of things, we are nothing more than a speck of dust. A grain of sand, if you will. <laughs> like, yeah, it is true. And it just really reminds people that nothing is permanent. So you should make all you can out of life right now because it sure as shit, excuse the language, won't last. So switching gears into the reader response lens, what does this poem make the audience feel? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself. And essentially, this poem, it almost evokes a sense of anxiety in me because I'm like, oh my god, like, what am I, what am I doing here in life? Like, everything is so much bigger than I ever thought it was. Like, she just, she puts thoughts that we all have in the back of our head and she brings it to the forefront front of our minds but she articulates it so well that like there's no other choice but to pay attention to it and just think about it so what does this poem make me feel well besides anxiety i really like this poem because it reminds me of what i think people need to remember that life isn't permanent and that you can be and do so much more than you anticipated That's interesting because for me, it's kind of the opposite. For me, this poem makes me feel very grounded. And I think that's because it's coming from me and I'm a very spiritual person. You are. Um, And you know, that's not how we grew up. Our religious background. (laughs) Yes, our religious background is actually, I would say, completely contradictory to this. We grew up. The opposite. Yeah, we grew up (laughs) in a... very uh, religiously uh, traditional home that wouldn't have necessarily liked these ideas, which we won't get too much into about that. It's totally fine, your religious beliefs. However, I can completely understand how you feel grounded by this being the person you are now. These words reflect everything you know and understand, and you can see yourself in it. Wow, Amanda. I mean, basically speaking for me here, yeah, the way that the author uses words like i've traveled the tales of comets i've been spat out of supernovas i've sang celestial lullabies like it's all super spiritual and it makes me feel as if a a part of the universe like lives within me as she states as the end i'm pieces of the universe living as human for a while and i think that's another great thing about her poetry is that It can relate to so many different types of people in so many different ways. One person who feels almost anxiety written over it is the exact opposite to a person who feels completely and totally comfortable with it. And I think that just not only shows how like fluid poetry in uh, in and of itself can be, but like specifically her poetry, she like cuts straight to the heart of people. Would you agree? I would, yeah. So the poem we just read, I think, does a really great job of showing where Erin Hansen draws all of her inspiration from. She actually draws uh, her inspiration from things like the Red Rocks in Utah and a lot of uh, Southern California's nature, which is quite ironic because you and I have been there a lot. We, we know what that looks like. You know what that looks like. So I think it's also interesting that she specifies, actually, that she really likes nature on the West Coast. But I think this poem just does a really great job of 
tying all those different things of inspiration right together. But there are also a, a couple other really successful Australian poets, some who Aaron Hansen was actually acquainted with. Let's hear it. So the first person and out of this list, the only person she was actually acquainted with was a man named Les Murray. And he was a poet for over 40 years. And miraculously, he was thought to be the leading poet of his generation in Australia. And he's written many volumes of poetry, too many to name. But I mention him because they both have a common theme of nature and they both have mentioned in interviews they draw inspiration from nature. Wow, the dude sounds accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) Just you wait, because the next poet we're going to talk about real quick is a guy named Luca Lesson. So Luca Lesson was born in 1990 and he is a slam poet, which is ironic because a little while ago we were talking about our love of slam poetry. (laughs) That is funny. So he actually uses all of his slam poetry to empower marginalized youth. And he has a website you can go on. You can just look up Luca Lesson and it's like the first thing that pops up where he has lists of his poetry and um, like his qualifications. And one of his qualifications is that he actually has an honors degree in indigenous studies. So. Oh, honestly, that's really interesting. And for being me and having a love of slam poetry, all of us, you might look into him. Right? You really should. So the other interesting thing about him, one last really cool thing, is that he's won so many awards. Like, it's incredible. He won the Poetry Festival in 2010. He's won a couple in Melbourne. I mean, it's really cool. Okay. So when are we getting back to Aaron Hansen? <laughs> okay, we'll get back to her soon. But not before we talk about Omar bin Musa. So this man, he's Malaysian, and I think you're going to like this guy most, because not only is he a poet and a visual artist, he's a rapper. Bro. (laughs) Bro is a rapper. So He writes my music. (laughs) Oh my god. So he's released three books and three hip-hop albums. Can we just... Appreciate... Yes, can we pause and appreciate that this man has literally released three hip-hop albums and three volumes of poetry? I mean, that's incredible. He's an artist. So it's absolutely no surprise to learn that he has won the Miles Franklin Award, and he has also won the Australian Poetry Slam in 2008. And he has spoken at Ted um, TEDx in Sydney at the Sydney Opera House. And oh, he's yes. appeared on ABCs and Q&A. So, sounds popular, right? But how does this all tie into Aaron Hansen? All right. Well, all of these poets share really similar messages. And they all rely really heavily on pathos to reach their audience in, quite frankly, not only a more effective way, but a more intimate way. They get to know their audience and just share their emotions with them simply through writing. And I think that's really incredible. So, because these themes are so general, Erin Hansen does a really great job of taking these really general themes and making them applicable to a group of people. And despite the fact that she has only one volume of poetry and most of her, um, most of her publication comes through things like social media, she's well recognized and praised for her maturity at such a young age. She started writing poetry at 11 years old, had a volume of poetry written by the age of 18 or 19, and so many interviewers, all the interviewers say like, wow, you are just so mature. And she is. I mean, it's incredible that at this age, 
she's writing things like this that are so highly introspective. So, in my opinion, and I think you could agree with me, she's going to leave behind a legacy, and it's going to be a very good one. All right, there are some words in there that I don't quite get, (laughs) but that is all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for joining us and listening next time on Wesley Radio.